Appreciate you for that. Want to, want to encourage you. We've got a great group today, a good group today. We've got exactly as many tables put up in that closet as we have out here. We'd like to see it double. If every person here would bring one person next week, uh, it would exactly double. That's the math that I learned at, at Vernon High School. If everybody will bring one person, uh, we'll exactly double it next week. Glad that you're here today. Glad you made the effort to be here today. We're going to conclude our look at the life of Joshua. Uh, we spent, we're spending five weeks on each of these guys. This is the concluding week in the life of Joshua. Next week, we're going to start on an interesting man, really a very complex life, a study of King David. We're going to spend five weeks looking at the life of David. I want to encourage you to be here, and, and, and we'll be excited about that study. Today, I want to go very quickly into our study, and we're going to work through a bunch of verses today. I'm in Joshua chapter 23, and I'm going to start with the very first three verses of Joshua chapter 23. It says this, Now it came about after many days... When the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. Uh, in, in, in Joshua chapter 23, God's people understand the context. They are now in the promised land. Uh, they are standing there in the promised land. Remember what started all the way back in Egypt. God's people cried out. Uh, they were enslaved there. God hears their cries and God has acted powerfully. And you could go piece by piece. He has demonstrated his power. God has moved miraculously uh, the Red Sea, the manna, many, many things. God has, has moved in miraculous ways. And God has delivered his people. He has been faithful and he's delivered his people. Well, Joshua has now settled in. They're in the promised land. His work is finished. And the Bible says, he even says, he is old and advanced in years. Now, let me, let me start off this morning and say this. What an awesome thing, what a, what a great thing, and really a thing that we should strive for to actually have lived out the days of your life, to get to the end of your life, and to actually have lived for the Lord. What, what an awesome thing that is. Sometimes we think, well, that's for somebody else, that's too far-fetched for me. Listen, what a, what a marvelous thing to get all the way to the end of your life and to have spent your days, to have given your days for the glory of God. Uh, you remember the, the story of Joshua? He starts when he's young. And when, he, when he's a spy that goes there into the promised land, he's a young man. And now he finishes as an old man. He has truly walked with God. Let me say this, and, and a lot of these points are going to line up with our men's lunch. That should be our goal. Whatever your age, whatever station of life you find yourself in, your goal is that you would spend your days to honor God. Whatever days you have left, that you would spend them to honor God. Our goal should also be raise our kids. Some of us to raise our grandkids that they would live their days, that they would live their lives, and they would spend it to the glory of our God. Well, verse 14, we're not, not going to look at it, but in verse 14, Joshua says he's about to go the way of all the earth. He is about to die. He is an old man. He's about to die. And then we have in the, in the 23rd chapter and the 24th chapter, his final words to the people that he leads. Now, 
that to me is a pretty tremendous thing to imagine. Can, can you imagine all that he has seen, the power of God, all that he has seen, uh, all that he has heard in his days, the, the very wisdom of God, and now this is his final call, his final speech to the people that he leads. In these chapters, he reminds them of who God is. And you go read the 23rd and 24th chapter, he really reminds them of what God has done. And in reminding them of what God has done, he reminds them that God is trustworthy, that he is faithful, that he is mighty, that he is powerful, that he is holy. And so he really reminds them of of who God is. And then in these two chapters, he gives these people three commands and a choice. Three commands and a choice. Now, I would like to look at these these two chapters in detail. I would like to look at them in depth. Uh, We're not going to have time for that. So I'm going to pull out today these three commands that he gives the people and then the choice that he ends with. Now, my, my prayer is that we would learn today as well. As we hear this account, that we would learn today as well. Three commands and a choice. The first command is this. His final words, his first command is this, that they would commit to the word of God. That they would commit to the word of God. Chapter 23, verse 6 says this. Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Listen to that again. Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. He tells them, be very firm. It it means, it translates in the original language to be solid or to be settled. Or really the best translation that I found is to be ungiving. There's no give. To be ungiving and, and to do all of this as it concerns the written word of God, the, the written law given to Moses. Understand this. The word of God was going to be their map. It's our map as well. The word of God is going to be their guide. It is our guide as well. He tells them, be ungiving in your commitment to the word of God. That means, you know what? You need to be settled in your commitment to the word of God. You're not looking around. You're not wondering about another source. You are settled to your commitment to the word of God. I want you to hear me very carefully today. In our men's power lunch, and I've been thinking about this lunch and what we're doing in this lunch and what's, what's become of this lunch. Be sure and hear me today. In our men's power lunch, you will not and you cannot be the man that God has intended you to be apart from an unwavering commitment to the word of God. I can't say that loudly enough. I can't say that with enough conviction. Your power is gonna fail. Your good intentions are gonna falter. Your ideas are not enough. Your ideas are insufficient. And you cannot be the man that God has intended you to be without an ungiving commitment to the word of God to read it, to know it, to hear it, to study it. You cannot be the man that God has intended you to be apart from an unwavering commitment to the word of God. Now now we come around and we we say, I'd like to be that man. 
I'd like to be that man. I'd like to stand like that man. I want to be a man like that. And the question is, how committed are you, am I, to the word of God? He says that you will not turn to the right or to the left. The first thing that he calls them to commit to, he calls them to commit to the word of God. Second command that he gives them is that they would cling to the one true God. Now, I want you to see the picture. He says, that he asks, he commands that they would cling to the one true God. Verse, chapter 23, verse 8 says this. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. The threat was always that they would compromise. The threat was always that they would blend in. And now they're in the promised land. They're they're in the midst of the nation. God promised them the land that he promised them. And that threat looms all around them. There's these pagan nations uh, that are surrounding them, the old inhabitants of the promised land. There's these pagan people. There's these lost people. There's their their false gods out there. And, And the threat has always been that after the passing of time, they would take some of their truth. And they would say, you know what, I, I like some of their ideas. And they would start to blend those together. They would say, you know what, that sounds like a pretty good thing. That sounds reasonable. And they would start to accept some of those false gods. And the threat was that they would always compromise. Well, Joshua, in his final words to the people that he leads, says, cling. It, it literally translates to grab, to, to dig your fingers in and to hold on. We, we would say to hold on for dear life. Today, the call is the same. Today, the call is still to compromise. And I, I think maybe, maybe more than any generation in our, in our idea of political correctness. You know what? You need to compromise to get along. In our, our world of tolerance, you need to compromise to get along and, and to live in this culture. And in the passing of time, we're taught, you know what? You need to blend in. You, you, you need to soften up. You need to be shaped by the world. You need to fit in and you need to compromise. And I want you to hear me today. The call is still this. But however you cling to the one true God, you cling to the one true God. And so the first command that he gives is that you would commit to the word of God. You can't be the man God's called you to be apart from it. The second thing is that you would not compromise, but you would cling to the one true God. And then the third command that he gives his people, the third thing is this, that you would love the Lord your God, that you would love the Lord your God. Let me read verse 11 out of that same chapter. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God, his command to the people. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Joshua says, be diligent. Take care. Be intentional. That's what he says. Be deliberate to take heed. Be intentional to love the Lord your God. Man, I want you to be very sure of something today. We cannot have dual loves. We cannot have divided loves. And this is, this is throughout the entirety of God's word. Our devotion must be totally, wholly given 
to the one true God. You can't love the world and love God. You can't love yourself and serve yourself and serve the one true God. And that's, that's what Joshua is telling in them here. You have to be diligent. Now listen, you have to do it. You have to be diligent. You have to take heed that you love the one true God, the Lord our God. And so there, those are the three commandments of Joshua to these people. Now I, I want you to picture this. Picture the nation as they gather. It says the heads of the tribes, the heads of the family, the judges, the, all the people as they gather. Picture these people as they, have, as they have gathered together. And here they are. They are safe in the promised land. They have been delivered. The enemies have been pushed out in front of them. And here they are. The Bible says they have rest and they have peace in the promised land. And now here comes their leader and he's walked with them and he stood and now he comes and he's an old man and he stands and he gives them the final commands. And, and you picture this as the people have gathered, as these people settled in the promised land, look to Joshua. He says, you know what? You're going to have to be committed to the word of God. You're going to have to have an unwavering commitment to the word of God. He tells these people, you cannot compromise. You're going to have to cling to the one true God. And then he says, you're going to have to be diligent to love the Lord thy God. There's no divided loyalty. You're going to have to be committed to God. Read the rest of the 23rd and 24th chapter. He gives them these commands, but then he starts to remind them of what God has done. Now, again, as I started in reminding them of what God has done, he's really reminding them of who God is. And he's telling them, here he is, and he's an old man, and he's lived these days, and he's telling them, you know what, you remember when God did this, and you remember when God delivered us here, and you remember when God did this, in, in verse 14, he says, no word of God has ever failed. God is trustworthy. Not one word of his has failed. He starts to go down the chapter and he says, you know what? He, he blessed Abraham and he was faithful to Abraham. And then he says, you know what? He blessed Isaac and he was faithful to Isaac. And he blessed Jacob and he was faithful to the promises that he made to Jacob. And then he says, you know what? He, he heard your cries and he sends Moses and he sends Aaron and he delivers you. And now he tells them, look around, you're safely at home. God has driven out our enemies. And he's given them the three commands. And then he gives them one last choice. And I think maybe this is the most awesome thing as I read the conclusion of this book. He, he tells them what they're going to have to do. They're at rest in the promised land. And then he presents his dying call is for them to make one last choice. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and verse 15, I want you to listen, says this. The last call of this old man, Joshua, he says this. Now, therefore, you know who God is? Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. What that means is it's, it is real. It's not fake. It's not for show. It's not fraudulent. Serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. There's no compromise and serve the Lord. Here's the choice, verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which are beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
we're in a mess. Man, I've said that, and I've said that. I've said that. I've I've talked about that. I'm sick of saying it. But I want to tell you, listen to me. We are in a mess. We're in a mess. Our world is in a mess. Our nation, our, our, our nation is in such a mess our homes today are in, in a mess. Our kids today are walking around and they can't tell you which way's up. Our kids are in a mess. Our churches today are in a mess. And I, and I look around and you watch the news and you see what's happening. You, you hear the events of this week and last week and we are in a mess. We are in a mess. And as sure as I stand here right now, look at me, as sure as I stand here right now, There is hope alone in Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me. There is hope alone in Jesus Christ. There's not three hopes and there's not two hopes. There's not even another hope. There is hope alone in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, as we stand here and we swim in this mess, the only way forward is for men to say, and I'm talking about to stand up and to say, you know what, I don't care any longer what the world says. I don't care any longer what the world says is true. I don't care where the pressure comes from today. It is settled in my life, and so therefore it is settled in my home, and we're not going to have to come back and revisit this. We're not going to have to come back and test the waters. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is the answer. That is the hope. Settled in your heart, so settled in your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is our hope. He's our answer, not a politician, not a government, not, a, not any kind of goofy movement. Jesus Christ is our hope. Settled it in your heart, settled it in your home. We will serve the Lord. Then the conclusion, chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. I want you to listen how this ends. And it came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance. He got a portion in the promised land. They buried him in the, in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, on the north of the Mount Gash. What an awesome thing to have lived your days. And I, well, if you're here today and you're 85, if you're 65, if you're 55, if you're here and you're 25, What an awesome thing to live your days. And for it to be said, you know what? They were a man, I know that. They messed up, I know that. They failed, we know that. We turned to the the grace of Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But what an awesome thing for it to be said. They lived their life in the service and for the glory of the one true God. His portion was in the promised land. They buried him there, a servant of the Lord. I don't know about you, but man, I can't, I can't sit still after hearing that. I, I can't go back after hearing that. May we live our lives, use our breaths for the glory of the one true God. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you stand, please, and I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let me say this because we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to pray. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, 
Man, I don't want to end this day and not give you an opportunity to know. You know what? We're all sinners. We've earned a punishment in our sin, death, separation from God. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died your death. He died my death. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of that grave. He's defeated sin. He's paid the penalty. And he stands as the victor, as the king, risen from the dead. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you guys, settle that today. If you have more questions, you find me, you find somebody, you settle that today. Our hope alone is in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for these men here today. And I'm thankful for all the, the crossroads of life, all the situations of life that we've walked that brought us here. But I know we stand here on, on, on even ground. Not one work of any man is worth two cents here. Not any perfection of any man's ever existed, not worth a, 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 a dime here. But we stand and our only hope is in the forgiveness and the grace and the restoration of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for some in this, in this room that need to, need to trust you for their salvation today. I pray that that's the fruit of this day. Lord, I pray for us that have put our faith in Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would commit anew to the word of God. That we'd be unwavering in that. Lord, I pray that we would, we would cling to the one true God. We would not compromise. And Lord, I pray that we would give our days for your glory, for your namesake. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.